Hello everybody! Welcome back to another episode of The Angry Environmentalist. I'm super excited to have you all back, or if you're new, super excited to have you here today. Um, I have a little bit of a cold, but I was super excited to do this episode, and I know I also have been like gone for a while and haven't posted any new content or podcasts. I'm super sorry about that. I am in grad school, as many of you might know. And it's kind of gotten the best of me, I'm not going to lie. The coursework has been very challenging. I have a 25-page policy paper due. I have a 10-page kind of like a literature review, but also like a scientific literature review is what I'd call it. Um, And then I also have a research slash literature review due that's 15 pages. And those two last pages I just meant, papers I just mentioned, are all requiring 25 scientific, peer-reviewed annotations. So I have a lot on my plate. I also work part-time at a nature preserve, so super busy, and I have an on-campus job. So very busy, very busy person. And I've been really wanting to get back to podcasting because I miss it. I love it. I love doing it. I love connecting with my listeners via Instagram on the Angry Environmentalist page. I've gotten some really cool comments, so please keep that up. I love that. I love hearing from you guys, whether it be something like we're in regards to my podcast or whether it be something completely different that you're bringing light to me and educating me about. I love that. I love being educated. I love learning, so definitely reach out if you have the chance or you have something that you want to tell me about. Today's episode is going to be about field research. I, even now, I'm super confused about field research, but I've been in it, I've done some, I have some experience, and I cannot wait to continue my experience. I love field research. I started getting into that probably my end of my second semester of my sophomore year of undergrad, so about two and a half years ago, and I fell in love with it. I love it. I love being outside. I love the thrill of a new environment every day. So I want to talk about some of my experiences. The good, the bad, the ugly, the really good, (laughs) and the really, really, really bad. But I wouldn't say there's really, really, really bad. I'd say it's more of just the setbacks and the hardships that you do face. Field research is hard, and I think it's hard to get, if you're new to a project and you're starting your own project, there's so many challenges. Whereas if you're joining an existing project, there's still challenges, but they're different. I personally prefer joining in on projects, and that might sound like, oh, she's lazy. And it's just, I don't enjoy the getting the funding. So many people don't, (laughs) but I really don't. I hate paperwork, and that's a lot of research as well, so that's, you know, a drawback. A lot of paperwork. People that people don't think about that, but there is. Um, so let me get into my more of my my fun experiences and talk about what I've done. So my first experience with field research. My first experience was my freshman year of college. That was about four years ago, and it was doing great tree frog research for one of my professors. And basically, what I did was at night. I'd go to this pond alone and put waders on, go through the pond, 
walk through the sludge. My feet would get stuck in the bottom, and then I'd have this container in one hand, a stick to hold myself up in the other, or to get myself out of the mud, and a headlamp. And I had to maneuver around and find great tree frogs while they were mating, take the females, and then we'd put them in this little container. We'd bring them back to the lab. Again, no animals were hurt in this. I, don't, I said again, I didn't even say it the first time, but <laughs> no animals were hurt. I obviously would not do something that would harm any animal. It was purely just for learning so that we could figure out how these gray tree frogs are mating, why they go to specific sounds to make sure the populations are good and to make sure there's no sound frequencies that mess it up for them and all this other stuff. There's, that was more of the my professor side. I was kind of just doing the field research. Um, but again, no animals were harmed. We released all them back at the end. Uh, they were only there for a few hours. And then we'd bring them back. So again, no animals were harmed. And then I'd release them the next day. So, you know, you could see where there could be pros and cons of this. The pros, I learned so much. It was my first experience with field research. And I was scared. I was nervous that I wasn't going to like it. And I loved it. And now I know I want to do this. Other pros were... I love the waders. I love putting that on. I loved getting to walk through the pond with my headlamp. It felt so official and it was really cool. But the obvious cons. I was in a pond alone at 10 p.m. at night for a few hours. That could be scary. That could be hard. Because of that, I ended up asking one of my friends to come with me. So the con is I had this responsibility to go out there and I was too afraid because there's really it's, it's dangerous. It could be dangerous. Um, and we were understaffed because a lot of the times field research doesn't get the funding it deserves. So that was a con. Another con was I was eaten alive by bugs and mosquitoes. Mostly mosquitoes, but other bugs as well. But that's field research. That is field research. Sometimes you will get eaten alive by bugs. And it's gross, but if you love it, you'll do it. And the research was enough for me to love it where I completed the three months of being a field researcher for this project. And I loved it. So it, it kind of grew my passion for field research and it will get me into these other stories that I'm about to tell you in the pros and cons. So one of my most favorite and prized projects that I've worked on was I worked at a state park during the pandemic, I think that, well, we're still in a pandemic, but <laughs> during the summer of when it got really, really bad, which was what, 2022, 2020? Wow, 2022, I just said. Oops, 2020. Wow, it's already be 2022. I digress. Um, so I was assisting with snapping turtle, well, not snapping turtle, aquatic turtle research at a state park in New York. Um, this research was looking at monitoring aquatic turtle populations in a specific pond at this, this state park. So we got to ha handle turtles like red-eared sliders, which are extremely invasive, snapping turtles, and pretty much painted turtles, and I would think that was pretty much it. Oh wait, we got I think we got some yellow-bellied as well. This was what, two, a summer ago now? So I'm kind of 
forgetting a little bit because I've done so much since then. But those were the main ones that we saw. Again, we want, didn't want the red-eared sliders. And we were also seeing whether they were breeding with each other, interbreeding, and the red-eared sliders, since they are invasive, coming in and messing up that genetic pool for the natives. So they were. Um, we did see some interesting-looking turtles <laughs> that we weren't expecting. But my favorite were the snapping turtles. So some of the pros and the cons, if I wanted to get into it, the pros... I got to handle these really cool turtles. I have really cool pictures um, of me doing the research that are pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but um, that was pretty cool. Getting to connect with the other researchers and being out there with them. That was, you know, the camaraderie that you form is pretty cool with the other researchers. Um, so I'd say that's definitely another pro. Putting on the waders, I think, is also another pro. I love putting on the waders and going into the water and pulling out the nets that we put out to catch the turtles. So what we did was we put nets out with some bait in, I think, four different parts of the pond. Um, or the, I think it was a lake, actually. Um, pond, lake, really hard to tell the difference sometimes, even with my habitats research on habitats classwork that I did it's still hard for me to tell and it's still hard for a lot of people to differentiate between those two things um but it was a lake so we did four different sections put the nets up put a little bit of bait um caught the turtles again no turtles were harmed all the turtles were released and we would mark them I think marking them was pretty cool and getting the weight and just handling them in general handling them and then releasing them back into the water that was a pretty cool experience that I loved now the cons. The cons, rain or shine. You know, if you put your nets out in the morning and then you have to go back at the end of the day and the weather could have changed. So sometimes it was a beautiful morning and then it'd be pouring by the end of the day, but you can't leave the turtles in these nets, otherwise they die. So you have to suck it up and go and do what you're getting paid to do. So there was many times where it would be pouring rain there was even a thunderstorm once, and that was kind of scary. And, you know, field, people think, oh, we have all this technology. But a lot of field research still is pen and paper. So we had pen and paper doing recordings of the turtle we saw. We had to mark them. We had to weigh them and record all that stuff. So a lot of different things that we were looking for and writing down. So you'd be out there in the rain. Your paper's getting soaked. We had a car with us, so we have to sit in the car, but you're soaking wet. Even if you have, like, rain gear on, you were soaking wet. So that's definitely a con. <laughs> I had not a lot of time, fun times in the rain, but, you know, we made, it, we made it fun. We made it enjoyable. We tried to make it the best we could. Um, again, if it's raining, it's cold. So your hands would get cold, and you'd have to be writing, and you'd be handling these 20-pound snapping turtles, which was pretty much, I think our largest was like 22 if I'm not mistaken so you know all these things that you have to add in that you don't think of when you're looking at it from this outward perspective um and also another one that really was horrible was when you were in the waders and it would rain and your waders would soak in all the water well not soak in like the rain would get in the top and your feet would be puddles in the bottom that was not fun <laughs> so that was that experience overall I loved it I'd do it again any day of the week, but that's me. There's some people who are more of the policy and the inside side, but I loved this. Another thing I did was at the same state park um, during the winter now, 
That was during the summer, the other one. During the winter, we did a Fisher study. Fisher are, they're otherwise known as Fisher cat, which people call them. I say they look more like a ferret. If you look up a picture, they kind of have ferret features, bigger than a ferret, but um, they're carnivore, and they are not, I don't think they're endangered. I think they're more of just rare occurrences to see as they hate being near people. They like to be as far away as people as they can. They hide in different rock structures and all this stuff. They're, they're really cool animals that I suggest you all look up and read about. I can even do a podcast about them. I ended up actually not going through with the whole project as coursework got intense last year during winter. So I ended up not doing the whole thing, but I still learned a lot about them. And in the beginning, we had to put up camera traps, and finding a place to put up camera traps is super hard. You're out there all day looking for the best places to put your camera trap, and then you have to mark the location within your GPS. And all this stuff that goes into it that you don't think of, you have to look at track marks to make sure you're going to get optimal viewing of wildlife. Because if you put your camera trap up next to a highway and you know that fishers stay away from highway, obviously you're not going to get good information, you know, about fisher. So you might get good information about what cars are driving and maybe deer and maybe smaller wildlife, but you're not going to get what you're looking for. So as Webkins, anyone played Webkins, hope you find what you're looking for. Sorry, I digress. Again, wow, I'm getting really mixed up today. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but, um, Going back to camera traps, you need to find the optimal place to do your research. So that takes all day. So that kind of is a con, but if you're with another researcher, it can be fun. You know, you can all be joking around and having fun and enjoying the day. But if you're alone, which sometimes happens, then, it, you know, it's boring. It's all day long of looking for wildlife tracks. And again, that could be fun, though. That could be fun to some people. I find it fun, but when I'm doing it for hours and hours and hours, I kind of get bored. Um, so that's a pro and a con, I guess, but some cons of doing it when we did it in winter, which when we were looking for Fisher then, it was freezing. My feet were freezing no matter how many socks I wore. My feet were, every time I took my socks, like my shoes out when I was in my car, my shoes off, my feet were red and swollen and painful because it's so cold. My hands were cold and trying to get press the buttons on the camera trap as your hands are freezing. If you've ever been outside when it's cold and trying to text on your phone, you know how hard it is. So imagine that with pressing actual buttons that are popping out and trying to get it to work and trying to push in the batteries and take out the batteries. And then, you know, most of the times your camera traps aren't new. So you have old camera traps that aren't working and functioning. So you have to fool around with them a lot for like 10 minutes and you have to take your hands out of your gloves, and you're freezing. So that's a con. But again, the after parts of that research, of getting to see a fisher and getting to see something that you, most people don't get to see, that's the reward. That is no better feeling than getting what you need. But again, sometimes you put a camera trap in a bad location, and you can get the research you needed, and it's frustrating to go back out and look at a new place. So that was that study. Pretty cool. Loved it. Um, some other research I did was kind of not independent. It was 
through my school and for a class, but I loved it. I loved every part of it. There was other people in the class who didn't, but I'm a nerd and I loved it. And we got to put camera traps up again and look through all the photos at the end of the semester. But sometimes you're going through hundreds of photos of dogs, especially if you're in a, like a park. We were in a park that's heavily trafficked by people. So we had dogs rolling in front of our cameras, going to the bathroom in front of our cameras. We did have a person go to the bathroom in front of our cameras. We had to cut that out real quick, um, which was interesting because they went completely off the trail because our cameras were way off the trail. But we cut that out, and obviously that's another con. You know, you have to have discretion and know someone didn't know this was there, cut that video out. We didn't even look through it. As soon as we saw someone, bye. Video gone <laughs> forever. So those are things that people don't think about that happen. So that was like a kind of a small thing, but the cons were looking through hundreds of photos of a dog rolling on the ground or looking through a hundred photos of a deer laying down in front of your camera, moving its head, but you can't miss one video. You have to go through all of the videos because you could miss something or you could see something that is part of your study. So it's important that you go through everything. And you look at everything and analyze everything, especially if you're doing a comprehensive study of a specific behavior or if you're looking at patterns of what deer cross at certain times and all this stuff. So it's important, you know, so it really depends on your study. Since this was for school, it was less serious and we didn't have to really worry about the nitty gritty. But for me, since I'm learning and I wanted to be a researcher and I knew I wanted to do research, it's important that I'm learning those techniques young. So I suggest if you're doing research and you're in college or you're just learning to do research and you're not in college, I suggest you take the time and learn how to do the tedious work now because it will prepare you better for the future. And I feel way more prepared now than I did without that course. So another thing I got to do was I got to work for an institute near me and do some online, it wasn't field research per se, but some online work doing some deer management. Um, so for four hours a day, I stared in front of a screen and looked through thousands of videos. Some of squirrels just passing through and I was doing deer management. Some were some cool ones of like a bear. One was a bear missing, no that was, a bear were, were all fine, but there was a bobcat, bobcat? Wow, I'm getting really mixed up with words today. A bobcat was missing a leg, and that was super sad, but it was more interesting than a squirrel. Passing through hundreds of times, dropping things, birds flying through, all the things that you didn't want in your research because that's not what you're focusing on. But it was a super cool experience. Again, super good learning experiences for the future and to put on your resume. And I loved it, and I don't regret doing it. Again, it was tedious, but I did get some cool videos out of it of looking at behaviors of, even though I was looking at deer, I got to see cool behaviors of bear, bear cub babies jumping on our, our camera equipment and clawing it. Pretty cool, pretty cute. But that was more, that wasn't really field research for me. It was supposed to be a field work position, but due to the pandemic, I did two kind of positions at once. I did that state park, and then I did this institute. So I'd come home at night and do the camera trap stuff. So it was a lot, but I learned so much, and I value 
that time experience that I got. And then lastly, a really big failed project. If anyone's doing field research, I promise you, you will have failures in a project, whether they're a project failing, a plans falling through, you'll have some of those setbacks. And it's super important to not get discouraged from that and to not give up. Because if you give up, you, you're missing out on something that you enjoy. If you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, then I guess change your path. <laughs> but if you enjoy it, don't give up. So I, I was trying to get off the ground a bird study of birds who fly into windows and trying to do a study at my university to see how many birds are flying into the windows, what are the species of bird, and then do a literature review on how we can fix that issue. Because there was a lot of windows at my university, there are a lot of windows at my university that are big and open, that so many different types of birds were flying into them and dying. So I wanted to see, and as a wildlife rehabber, I was also getting calls from so many students saying, there's injured bird, can you come help? And I'd do my best, and I'd a lot of times the birds I got, I ended up releasing, which was amazing, but some of them I got to too late, and they were either already dead or at the verge of death. So I did try to get the like, off the ground to study like that. I did a bunch of research, did a little literature review. This is all independent. Tried to contact some organizations, got some people that were interested, but it ended up not taking off. And that was super discouraging. You know, I had I had done rounds around my university. I put together a procedure. I found dead birds. I recorded it. Did all this stuff and it didn't take off. And that was super discouraging. And I'm not going to lie. I did give up on that project. And I was discouraged on that project. And I regret that. I regret that because I think it really could have been beneficial to my university and to me. And to the birds. And I, I stopped. And right now, m many people might say, well, why don't you go back to it? I'm kind of past that right now. I'm looking at doing my thesis for my master's. I kind of want to keep that a secret right now and do an episode talking about that later with you guys. So I'm super excited about, about it. Let's just say it has something to do with large carnivores. But I'm not going to tell you what. <laughs> it's my favorite animal. But I'm not going to tell you. Keep it a secret. <laughs> but... Yeah, um, I'm kind of invested in that now, where I'm trying to talk to other people about the birds to get someone interested, so I'm hoping that, that somebody does take it over and does try to do that. So I do, again, regret giving up on that project and trying, well, I would say more of not giving up, of shifting my focus to something, but it also was giving up, and I do regret that. So I do suggest if you have projects and something goes wrong and something fails, do not give up. Look for another avenue. Look for funding somewhere else. Or if you become busy or invested in another project, find someone to take it over. Because there's, I bet you, any project that you have, someone's either trying to get that off the ground, someone's interested in it, or a university is willing to take it over and try to do it because there's so many researchers out there looking for good questions or looking to collaborate on stuff. Or a PhD student. I'm sure so many PhD students are trying to hone in on something. So ask around. Don't give up. Do not give up. With all this said, I would not trade what I do 
or what I want to do for the world, I know there's going to be so many setbacks, like weather, like funding, like people, like animals not cooperating. But again, animals don't need to cooperate to my standards, just saying in general. Um, failed equipment, all this stuff. There's going to be so many setbacks, but I love, I love it. I, I love what I do. I love research and I can't wait to continue this in the future. My dream is to eventually be a Nat Geo Explorer. I know I'm a very motivated person, so I do believe that my dreams will come true one day. So if you're a Nat Geo Explorer and you want to discover me, please discover me. I'd love that. <laughs> but seriously, I, I love research. I hope this didn't discourage you more of just open your eyes to the things that you will experience as a researcher. Again, there's so many other things I've experienced. I've, as a woman, I've experienced, you know, some some issues with people not thinking I can do it. I've proven everyone wrong. I've done it. Those people respect me now, and they didn't mean it in ways like that, but that's another setback, and I didn't talk about all the setbacks that you could face, and I didn't talk about all the positives that you could face either. So don't get discouraged. Be willing to make sacrifices, and... Be willing to chase your dreams because I think chasing your dreams is the most important thing you can do ever. Do not give up. So with all of that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, I hope it was beneficial. If not, please comment on my Instagram. Don't be mean because, you know, don't hurt my feelings. Um, I am very vulnerable. <laughs> I'm not vulnerable, but just don't, don't hurt my feelings. Leave comments. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me if get speakers you want to hear from and just give me some reviews. I love that you guys are all so amazing and I have amazing people who listen to my podcast and I want more people to listen and be able to educate others and others educate me. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of Angry and Brown Mentalist. So remember... Stay angry, create positive change, and go and change the world. <laughs>